You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. So glad you could join me today. This is the call-in show for the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to participate, 608-501-0718 is the place to do such things. Leave a message and we'll talk about it. We don't have a ton of calls today, so depending on uh, how much rambling I can do, sometimes I only do two calls, sometimes who knows. But just letting you know ahead of time, uh, we're done when we're done. But uh, new callers go to the front of the line. We do not have any new callers today, so why don't we just go ahead and start with our first caller, who is Henry. Hey, Ryan. This is Henry from Minnesota. Hey. I'm down here in Florida doing some work, stuff Ugh, for work. Uh, you know, because I suppose that's what I do now at this point in my life. All right. I kind of miss Minnesota, actually. It's too oh. hot down here. But anyway, I'm watching the, the, the Niners-Eagles game. The, the, the 49ers look terrible. Yep. I mean, Brock Purdy's out, but just generally, they just look confused and sad and kind of terribly mismatched with the Eagles. Yes. I don't know. I'm not saying the Packers would have beat them, but these 49ers are not playing the same way they played Dallas last week. That that That's really all I've got to say. I don't know. Oh, there you go. Anyway, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, all right. I didn't realize you were transitioning. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't. It doesn't matter that much to me. Um, it's somewhat interesting to think about. Could we've beaten the Forty Nine ers? Sure. If if we come in at our best and they're playing like that, maybe. Uh, obviously, losing your quarterback is going to demoralize you a little bit. That doesn't explain why this elite defense gives up 31. But all I know is I'm glad to watch them fail in spe- spectacular fashion because I can't stand them. Um, I detest the 49ers and everything that they stand for. And um, watching them not just lose but completely implode in the playoffs for a team that has now lost, I think, 11 championship games when the Packers have lost. I don't know. It's less. Uh, it just makes me extremely excited. So yeah, we we may have beaten them, but the bottom line is we I, I don't genuinely believe the Packers belonged in the playoffs. I don't genuinely believe they had a chance to get into the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. Um, there's work to be done to improve the team, and uh, we're here now, and that's kind of my personal focus. And um, again, also just happy that the 49ers met and a devastating demise. Hello. I think we trade we him. Go. I think we have to. I think we have to trade him, and we have to get that extra compensation. We have to at least bring it up to him and try and persuade him that it's what needs to happen. Because otherwise, we're going to be extremely hamstrung going forward. I'm sorry, I was just watching Joey Bosa on the sideline writhing in pain or twisting his ankle or something. I, I don't know. 
But Rodgers has to go, and we have to get that compensation because otherwise we're going to carry two expensive quarterbacks on the on the roster. The fifth-year option is not cheap. It's, it's time for Jordan Love. It has to be. we got to see what he is. And if he's bad, we'll get a decent draft pick so we can move up and take a good quarterback next year. It's just the prudent thing to do. And the Packers have to force it a little bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, go Pack, go. Well, and yeah, bye. that's that. Oh, bye. Yeah. See ya. Um, that's sort of been my contention for a while. Um, the 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 issue is Rogers holds the cards. We know that. We also know, or or at least I think it makes the absolute most sense that moving on from Rodgers at this point is the most prudent thing to do. And so how do you bridge that gap? And I think the only way to really sort of bridge the gap would be, well, I mean, there's there's being devious, but there's also just being honest because it sounds like Rodgers is very willing to listen. Um, and so being honest and just saying, look, I think it's time, I think that would probably be enough. But if if there's concern that that could be a problem, then you at least need to hint and to, to move as you said, suggest to move the needle in that direction. But again, I feel like everything that's been set in motion has been set in motion. The conversation between Rodgers and the Packers has already happened. I don't know the contents of that. I don't know how much the Packers have pushed. My assumption is they didn't. They uh, kind of just went hands off and said, oh yeah, we'd love to have you. Let us know. Um, and now we await Rodgers' decision. That is the next shoe to drop, as we all know. And we just got to see how that plays out. Um, and really, there's only one of three situations one he says i've decided i'm going to retire two is that i've decided to come back and play for the green bay packers and three is i've decided to come back and you know either we're not sure yet whether that's going to be with the packers but i'm definitely playing or um you know we, we're exploring trade options but i but again i don't think he's going to go on pat McAfee show and say that if that is the situation which is what makes that particular thing interesting if it is somewhat vague and that's maybe when you're going to start to see the Schefters and the Rappaports start to tweet out some stuff that actually is inside information. But anyways, that is, again, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what Schefter does now and just saying things that everybody knows and doesn't really need to be repeated. And that is we're waiting on Roger's decision, and we'll see how, we, how things turn out from there. Hey, Pat, Eddie. It's Nate uh, hey. calling in. Um, appreciate the last couple episodes. I know everybody, including you, has been digging into Rogers a lot lately, but... I, I'm not calling for that for once. Okay. Um, I'm just tired. Just tired of it, you know? Yep, it's, it's been too many seasons, too much drama. I just want him to go away so bad. <laughs> but I'm actually just calling because I, I, uh, was watching, um, watching a few YouTube videos on some different prospects, looking at kind of some sleepers that we might be able to get in, uh, maybe second or third round. Um, so ignoring the first round because, that seems relatively set. We kind of know who is going to be available. But uh so if we're running back in case we do need to replace Aaron Jones, now everybody just calm the f*** down. <laughs> I'm not saying we, we have to. Okay, I know everybody is obsessed, but um Tajay Spears, um, check him out. I like you know, Tulsa, but two, two win. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the school. Um, but then also right tackle Darnell Wright. Um, only because I, I heard at least in one of the videos that he didn't allow a sack all season. 
Um, and he was like, uh, play, uh, offensive player of the, of the week twice or something like that. So he might be, um, somebody to throw on the offensive line, um, especially on the right side, which is kind of our weak side at the moment. So, uh, just want your thoughts on those two guys. Um, and go back up. Pulling up Darnell Wright right now, six foot six, three thirty-five out of Tennessee. Uh, he played uh, right tackle this past year, and according to this, zero sacks, two hits, six hurries, eight total pressures. Uh, he's allowed ten sacks in his career. So yeah, and and he has a similar situation to a few other players to where he really kind of exploded this year. Um, so much so that I would be extremely nervous. Uh, if you look at, it was his best year in run blocking, but run blocking is a little bit more of a general progression. He had a terrible rookie year. It was 37.2. That went up to a 57.9. Um, but from there, a 64. And then from there, a 65. Which I would say is a normal upward progression. Unfortunately, it's it's not great, right? To In four years build up to be a perfectly average run blocker. But the pass blocking is even more kind of troubling to me because he's got 10 sacks given up over his last three years, bunch of hits, a bunch of hurries, whatever pressures. But if you look at the grades, 58, 49, 59, and then 80.2. So you're banking on not only is this one-year spike one year of being just a dominant pass blocker, that's legit. Like, it's not just a one-year deal. And and of course, as I've talked about a thousand times, one year doesn't mean every single game of that year. In his case, it looks like pretty close to half, which is solid. But still, for the record, we're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm taking seven really good games. And I'm disregarding the fact that we, we're pretty sure he's a not great run blocker and hopefully doesn't suck as a pass blocker, which is what he has been for three years. So again, this is just at a glance. This is not coming from, I broke down his film over the past week, and this is my conclusion. I'm just glancing out at uh, the information as I see it. Yes, he was graded out and statistically was a very good pass blocker, but this is sort of an anomaly for him over four years. And even at that, he had a 71 overall grade and has always been a average to subpar run blocker. But I would assume at 6'6", 335, Having had a very good year, somebody's going to take a flyer on him. They're going to watch him and see that, you know, that is your upside. We're going to make sure that you can translate that to the NFL, and we're going to turn you into a monster. And maybe they will. I'm just saying that would make me nervous. As far as Tajay Spears, out of Tulane, 5'11", 195, um, has pretty much always graded as elite pretty much every year that uh, he's been there which is not super uncommon out of schools like Tulane. It just basically means they're well above the competition level, uh, which is kind of what you would expect from a guy that, you know, not only would belong in sort of the, let's say, FBS, but also in the NFL. You would hope that they dominated. Um, I know that the, although he's graded out extremely well as a runner, he's seen, at least supposedly right now, as sort of a third down back, receiving back type of guy. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Who knows if we were running the draft today, Aaron Jones might be seen as mostly a receiving back. I don't know. I don't think he really was back in college. But just based on his build, who knows what people would be saying today. But that's about the best I can give you. Uh, I did watch him a little bit on YouTube. And um, 
just in the brief bit. Uh, again, I always struggle with schools like Tulane because he, he certainly seems explosive. He's got a lot of bursts, but outside of that, it's hard to tell because it just looks like everybody else is so slow and so uh, lackluster. You know, he breaks a tackle, but you're watching a guy barely make any effort to tackle somebody. And it's like, well, he broke that, but I feel like in the NFL, he would have got absolutely lit up. So I don't know. But um, late second round, I guess, is where he's expected to go at this point in time. Okay, I've refocused a bit. Okay. I, I just don't really care about the insider stuff. I mean, yeah, Schefter's a, an idiot. I just zone it out and try to think about what, what they're actually saying that we already know. The responses of everybody else that actually tells you stuff. It's the, oh, yeah, wow, that's, that's really going to happen. They don't know anything. But if everyone believes something's going to happen in the media, you can practically be guaranteed that it's not going to happen. <laughs> so regardless, they're, they're all idiots. I'm an idiot. We're all idiots. <laughs> the only thing that matters is what the Packers should do. And what the Packers should do is, oh, that was a terrible punt. What the <laughs> Packers should do is trade away Aaron Rodgers. It's the response for them to do. It's a really hot take. It's just sort of, you know, what has to happen. If these have been rambly, it's because I'm at a vegetable seed conference and my brain is fried after two <laughs> days. Okay, uh, go, Pat, go. You're at a vegetable food conference? Come on, man. What? Did you have to go for work? Did they require you and pay you a bunch of extra money to subject you to that? Because that's, I mean, that's a hostile work environment. Why? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the the only things that matter, you're right, are what should happen. And um, other than that, just waiting for the things that will happen. And so far, those things haven't happened. So I agree. Hey, Pat Gary, it's Nate. Hey. I'd like to throw two more prospects at you. Um, Tank Dell, uh, wide receiver for Houston. Tank Dell? And uh, Roshan Johnson, I believe he's a Longhorn. Uh, backup running back. I really like Roshan. I think you've talked about him before because, one, he's still got um, – still going to have a lot of trend left on his uh, – as a running back. They tend to wear out pretty quick, especially in the NFL. But you're talking to guys who's been a backup. Um, and his, his upside also, he's apparently real, uh, real good in the special teams game. He's uh, a backup kick returner, so he knows that position. And, uh, he's also, um, also a gunner, whatever, whatever you want to call him now, but, um, big dude. And so having him major Dylan would just be like two just giant fucking hammers to swing. And then, uh, as for Tank, I just think he's just got really good hands. I think he's really consistent, so. Um, let me know. I think those are two guys that we could definitely take swings on. Go back home. Guessing you said Nate Dell, because Nathaniel Dell is a wide receiver out of Houston. So Nathaniel Dell, first major red flag is 5'10", 165. Now, I'm not going to do what a lot of people will do, which is to tell you that there's no way the Packers will draft him, but understand that that is, across the NFL, considered a major red flag. Um Generally speaking, the 5'10", 165 guys don't go on to be premier wide receivers. 
But after a year at Alabama A&M, he moved on to Houston. Um, basically, he's four years in college, but only two years as a sort of, I guess, starter. And in those years, 88 and 83 grades, same for receiving grade. So good receiver at Houston, no doubt. Primarily slot, if I didn't already say that. 67% of his snaps were from the slot. Um, also, interestingly enough, although he had an 83 PFF grade, his highest graded game was an 83. Uh, most of his games were kind of in the 69-70 range, just for context. And so um, I guess take that for what you will. I don't have any insights or heard anything about him so far. But the first thing I think of is is what kind of a gadget, what kind of gadgety things he can do. Um, he's never really been much of a rusher. In fact, the only time they've ever really tried it at Houston was this past year. He had four attempts for nine yards, so wildly unsuccessful. And the other is kick return. Um, he has returned zero kick kickoffs. He has returned nine punts, however. And in his nine punts this past year, I should say, although that's largely what he's done over his career. So this past year, he had a 93.7 punt return grade. Uh, nine returns, 153 yards, which is a 17 average, which is extremely high. And he did have a touchdown, his longest being 68 yards. I don't know if that was a touchdown, but that would be a safe assumption, I suppose, along with 15 fair catches. That's not possible on nine returns. What the heck is FC? Maybe it's, maybe it's 15. Okay. 15 fair catches, nine returns as in different things. Last year in 2021, he was more of a kick returner, was not nearly as successful. 60.6 grade, uh, 13 returns, 289 yards, 22.2 average, only one fair catch, zero touchdowns, zero muffed kick returns. So, I mean, based on this, it's worth a shot to look at him as a punt returner. I do wonder if there is, you know, if special teams coaches like Passaccia would look at this and say, it's a little small, dude's going to get rocked. But that would be probably the most intriguing thing from my perspective. And then Roshan Johnson, six foot two, two hundred and twenty-three pound running back, um, out of Texas. That is, he has spent all four years there. Um, I mean, from a PFF standpoint, I'm absolutely in love with it because he is unbelievably consistent. He is uncomple- uh, unbelievably consistent at a high level. That is to say, right around in the eighties, and um, as at, at, at six foot two, two twenty-three. He's basically just been nonstop dominant with no real issues. Oh, by the way, he's 21 years old, coming up on 22, but still. So young, built, consistent. Again, just at a glance, without even ever watching him, which I'm about to do in a second here. This is, and by the way, this is like 5% of the guys that I'll look at. This is very rare. It doesn't mean that they're automatically going to translate to NFL prospects. There's just always something. It's always... Yeah, but, you know, even even the last guy, it's like, yeah, but he's really small and he plays for Tulane. You know, the guy before that, yeah, great pass blocker, but bad run blocker. Also, his prior three years, he's just kind of bad at everything. This is a guy, if you just look at his grades, just overall, 80, 79, 84, 82. His run grade, 83, 83, 87, 88. So it's going up every year. Also, his fumble grade is really high, which is to say he doesn't really put it on the ground all that much. His lowest was actually this past year. It was a 72.7. But, I mean, you know, from a 
raw standpoint, if you look at it, most people look at it and say he's not that impressive because what do they care about? Yards and touchdowns. 550, uh, 545 yards, five touchdowns, nobody cares. But 5.8 yards per attempt? His, his career average is 5.6. 4.28 yards after contact per attempt. 46 missed tackles forced. 12 carries of over 10 plus yards. 9 over 15. Also, although he doesn't have a very good pass blocking grade of 67.4, he's actually quite a good pass blocker. And the reason I say that is because every single one of his games, he grades out really high, except for two. One of them was against Alabama. He had a uh, pass blocking grade of 10.3, and then against Baylor, 13.5. His others were 73, 78, 74, 78, 80, 77, 76, 75, 70, 76, 72. So every game except those couple, and that's that's a consequence of not being much of a pass blocker. He didn't do it very often. So, if, for example, against Alabama, he pass blocked two times and gave up a pressure. So that gave him a 10.3. Against Baylor, two times, one pressure. On the season, 38 times he stood into pass block, gave up two pressures, 97.2 pass blocking efficiency, 67.4 overall pass blocking grade. But the bottom line is overall, he graded out well in almost every single game. And like everybody, he can be taught, he can be coached, he can be refined. And when you are six foot two, 223 pounds, you have tools that can't be taught. You can't ta- teach height, and to some degree, you can't teach weight. You can put on some weight on some guys, but if you're a 183-pound running back, um, unless we're going to get you uh, roided out and fat and immobile and useless, you're probably not going to get up to 223. And I tell you what, uh, having looked at him, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by Rashawn Johnson. Um, I wasn't super impressed when I first started watching him just because it, it, it was weird because he's a bigger guy, but he doesn't look that big, and he almost seemed to have an aversion to... to just taking guys head on. He wanted to kind of hesitate and try to get around them and constantly jumping over guys and whatnot. But um, occasionally you'll see the power and it's evident. And then occasionally you'll see the speed and it's really impressive. So um, it'll be really interesting to see kind of the testing and to kind of dig in a little bit more into uh, Roshan Johnson. I'm glad you guys keep bringing this up because, you know, Again, four out of five that you mentioned, I'm going to look at and go, yeah, I don't really know. But you've, you guys have brought up at least three that I've looked at and like, dang, I could definitely get into this. And um, I don't know. I'll have to look a little bit more, but I'm, I'm intrigued by Rashawn Johnson. And you're right. It's, it's sort of a dual hammer approach with him and, and Dylan. But it's not just hammer, right? We know Dylan has got a lot of speed and we know he's a great receiver. And I'm looking at Roshan Johnson and I'm seeing a lot of agility and I'm seeing a lot of burst on top of having the power. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested. But anyways, we've only got, uh, well, three calls, two callers left. We got Chris from Alabama, and we got Craig up on the docket. So stay tuned for that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. 
when I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, Ryan, Chris from Alabama. Going on? Uh, calling with my stick to beat on his dead horse some more. <laughs> uh, Appreciate that. The Aaron Rodgers deal. Yeah. Uh, first with the, well, I guess with the uh, little interview Romeo Dobbs did. Yeah. Uh, it is concerning that he has not at least hung out with him any type of way uh, during the off season. It is kind of actually, to me, uh, a problem. But right. I don't know, man. I, I think maybe they a lot of people reading a little bit more into it as far as, as, as on Romeo's side. But, I mean, he can only answer the question honestly. I mean, if he doesn't know how Roger is or outside of the facility, then how can he answer the question? But anyway, uh with the Aaron Rodgers potential trade to the Jets. Yeah, just before we get there, I again, I, I it, this isn't just a Dobbs and Rodgers thing. I, I think this is more common. Um, I guess I'm just shocked and annoyed by it, as I've said. Um, and and again, even in the off season, I thought it would be. I mean, th- this is such a prime time in the off season because I didn't really address the off season. Because most people aren't doing anything because they feel entitled to have this time off, which is what everybody expects. And if you don't do anything, that's fine. You know, aside from, you know, keeping in shape and and doing what is, again, required as far as here is what I want you to do with your diet and your exercise and as far as studying uh, the scheme or whatever. This would be a fantastic time to really get on the same page. I mean, if Rogers decided he wanted to come back, I, I would think that that would be one on one. If it's me. If I want to come back, this is going to be legit. And in fact, I'm going to call them before I decide to come back. And I'm going to say, listen, if I come back, it's to win it all. And that's a big jump because we got a long way to go. But but I think the biggest leap we can make is if me and you, talking to Dobbs and, and, and Christian, got on the same page. And so I just wanted to talk to you guys and see where you're at and see if you'd be willing to put in some extra work with me this offseason. I could fly you guys out. Uh, we can work on this, that, or the other. I've got this guy out here in California. He's a fantastic coach. He can kind of get you guys up to speed and do all these things. I know you want to spend time with your family. I get that. Um, but I, I just want you to know that I, I fully intend uh, to remain the greatest in the NFL. I fully intend for you to be the greatest, to want to be the greatest, and I fully intend to win a Super Bowl this year. Um, so if you're down, let me know. And I will let you know kind of what I had in mind in terms of how much, you know, whatever. Uh, if not, let me know. You know, if you got stuff you want to, you've already got planned with family, you got vacations, whatever, let me know. And depending on how they answer, I may not even come back to the team. And again, I, I, I don't think that's extreme, is it? Is that extreme? Or or at, at, at the very least, like, let's do, 
bi-weekly, tri-weekly Zoom calls just to kind of go over some stuff. And, and you know, I'd be checking. I'd be, I'd be the most annoying quarterback on planet Earth. I'd be like, what are you guys working on? You guys working on this, that, or the other? Because, I mean, listen, this is serious. And, and it should be for Rodgers. I mean, this is a serious decision whether or not he wants to come back and play or if he wants to retire. And like he even said, I don't want to come back unless I think we're going to win it all. So I, I just, I, I can't wrap my head around how that, he decides to come back because he thinks he can win, but I'm not going to, I, I, in other words, I just think if we do what everybody else does, which is bare minimum, then we'll win. I, I, I don't know. I can't, I just can't figure this out, man. Maybe there's just something I'm missing here. Uh, I feel like that would be a good trade. I've been hearing that they would offer two first would be beneficial even though we don't get them till next year. Yeah. You'll have a whole year to evaluate uh, Love to see if he's going to be the guy or not, and then you can have two ways to go about it with two first-round pieces. Love is not the guy. Then you can go out and draft you a quarterback first round, still have a, another potential first-round pick to, you know, uh, pick another – position of need or whatever, or if you know of Love's the guy, you got two picks that you can potentially, you know what I'm saying, improve your offense, more skilled players if needed, offensive line work or whatever. But, yeah, uh, I think that'll be a good trade. I think that'll be the best trade. Like you've been saying, they're desperate, so they'll probably give a little couple of extra dollars or a couple of extra pieces just to get that franchise guy and give hope to that to that franchise that been starving for anything positive. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's the best scenario, really just an opinion. I'm just calling in with me personally. I don't think they're going to trade them. If Rodgers comes back, they're not going to trade them. I feel like I believe it when I see it, but we really can't do nothing but throw our hypotheticals until we find out if Rodgers is coming back or not. So, anyway, go pack, go, and I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's generally where I'm at. With it, um, I mean, I don't know exactly what they'd be willing to offer, but I, I'm I'm guessing that's probably not too far out of the realm of of reality that they'd be willing to give up two first. And you know, again, I, I think that makes perfect sense. You get a year to evaluate Love, and um, if he's not the guy, then next year you're going to have a pretty high pick because you've established Love is not a very good quarterback, and if he's not, then your team didn't do very well. Um, and you've also got a second first-round pick. And if you really wanted to, you've got two first-round picks next year because you gave us two first-round picks, um, unless they were both in 2024. I don't know if the Jets have two. I doubt it. But now you're looking at a situation where, unlike this year, and granted, every year is like the year where there's a ton of great quarterback prospects and then that kind of goes out the window. But I don't know, man. I'm looking at Caleb Williams and Quinn Ewers, and I'm saying I feel like there's going to be at least two really, really good quarterbacks. And in my mind, that's a win-win. Now, maybe we can't get up to the top two to get a quarterback. I don't know. But um, it certainly makes a heck of a lot more sense than anything else, including let's run it back. It's like, okay. I just, okay. Yeah, maybe we just run it back. That could work. What's up, Ryan? This is Chris from Alabama again. Hey. Uh, I'm in with just a fun fact. Just All right. Just wanted to throw out there. People might know about it. People might not. Uh, 49ers. Uh, they lost yesterday, uh, 31 to 7. And the fun fact about that is, for the last decade, we'll say, 
since 2012, which is the 2011 season. Uh, since 2012, the 49ers are two and four in NFC Championship games and zero and two in Super Bowls. And I bring that fun fact up because you really don't get a lot of media slack about the 49ers' record. Weird, isn't it? In NFC Championship games, weird. Or just the simple fact that they haven't won a Super Bowl since the 1994 season. Crazy. Which is basically longer than the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. And the Cowboys get the slack. And you know, we get the slack. I, if I have to hear Aaron Rodgers is one and four in NFC Championship games again, I might pull <laughs> all my hair out of my head. So they beat that drum to death. When they gonna start beating this drum about San Francisco 49ers? And, and, and it's, and it's reckoning basically in the past decade of below four. Two and four in NFC Championship games, only two in Super Bowl. And if you wanna throw out the narrative, oh well, you, that, that was before Kyle Shanahan. Okay, Kyle Shanahan is now one and two in NFC Championship games, only one in the Super Bowl. Yep. When we gonna when we gonna start throwing this narrative out there about Kyle Shanahan not being able to get it done, or the Forty Niners in, in general as a franchise not being able to get it done and win championships, it's been going on what twenty nine? No, thirty thirty nine? Is it twenty nine or thirty nine? My math my math is <laughs> off right now. I think it's like twenty nine. Twenty nine, yeah. Damn near thirty years without a Super Bowl win and. Long time, so I know you elaborated on it before. Uh, you care to elaborate a little bit more? But I just want to know when. When is it going to be? I, I mean, it should be now, but when? When we gonna start talking about the Forty Niners not being able to get it done? All right, go back on. Yeah, I think I mentioned that on tomorrow's podcast too. Just looking at exactly that—that that it was 1994 since the last time they won a Super Bowl and. For whatever reason, the 49ers are just seen as this elite team. You know, the 49ers are basically the NFC version of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're just this dominant powerhouse force that is to be reckoned with. And again, my theory on it is that because they've gone on with this narrative for so long, that this is the greatest offensive head coach in all of football, that this is the most dominant, uh, you know, powerhouse football team and GM and all this stuff with Bosa as the greatest defensive player. And um, it's hard for them to then throw that team under the bus and be like, why do these guys suck so much? Because who are you going to pin it on? The only thing they can do is because say that it's because they don't have a quarterback. But that doesn't really help Kyle Shanahan at all. What do we need you for if it's a quarterback that's going to get us there? Also, that's just a lame excuse because you got there. It doesn't make any sense to, to say that, well, they got there. But we can't expect them to win without a quarterback. So to me, that argument doesn't hold up. Well, if we would have had a quarterback, then the the yeah, and if we would have had David Bakhtiari, we would have beat you last year. So what? What's your point? You don't. But you still get all the accolades. You still get all the credit. You still get a you know again. Kyle Shanahan's the greatest game planner, schemer, all this stuff in the history of the known universe. And yet the guy produces a great regular season team that gets into the playoffs and loses. 
and somehow that's acceptable. And by the way, they get there on the back of their defense. It's always the defense. And as much as we can talk about their quarterback sucking, when Jimmy Garoppolo was a quarterback, they had a really, really good uh, offense. And then when Jimmy Garoppolo would get hurt, they would drop down to having one of the worst offenses. So that's weird because if it's not the quarterback that's doing it, and it's just this genius coach that's making this offense go without the quarterback, it seems weird that a quarterback would make such a big difference in being really good and really bad. I mean, it's still possible, but it it seems like maybe we're underselling the importance of the quarterbacks that they had being high quality enough for them to have as good of an offense as they have. But you're right. It would be nice to start hearing these things. And and, and that's been my theme this whole offseason is when are we going to start hearing this stuff? How many times have the Buffalo Bills gotten here and lost, and yet we're going to keep banging the drum? I mean, I get, I, I think, again, I think the media really got tired of the Green Bay Packers. They got exhausted with the Packers. They got tired of Aaron Rodgers. They got tired of the same old, same old, same old, which, whether that's because of his vaccine status or whatever, I don't know. You could say that it's not because of that. It's just because he's been around so long, but explain Tom Brady to me, because I'm sick of Tom Brady because he's been around so long. But yet nobody seems to get sick of him. They just like superstars, even when those superstars play like garbage like Tom Brady has. But whatever. For whatever reason, everybody just got kind of tired of the Packers. Fine. But how long before we stop hyping up the Bills as the best team in football? How many more playoff losses do they have to have? At least Rodgers has a Super Bowl win. Josh Allen does not. Um, So far, at least. We'll see what happens in the Super Bowl. But Pat Mahomes has the same number. And if he loses, he's got a bunch, a bunch of playoff appearances and wins, but just the one Super Bowl, mostly losses, which is what happens to most teams. But we get it, we got to just throw that kind of thinking out the window when we're making sweeping claims about teams in the playoffs. Either you win the Super Bowl or you're not clutch and you suck. And when are we going to talk about the 49ers? I mean, since Matt LaFleur has been here, you've got Baltimore, you got Seattle, you got San Francisco, you got Tennessee. All of them have the same number of playoff losses. When are we going to talk about them? Anybody want to talk about Seattle? I mean, Seattle has basically gone down into the sewer, and they somehow escaped that entire narrative. They were good for a brief period of time because of like two really good drafts, one in particular, and then maybe another year of drafting plus free agency to kind of build that Legion of Boom team and have a quarterback. They got one Super Bowl out of that. One. That's it. And then they go to the playoffs like every year and lose. How did they escape the scrutiny? Baltimore, same thing. Every year, go to the playoffs, lose. Go to the playoffs, lose. Where's the scrutiny for them? Where's the scrutiny for Lamar? They love to pump him up as this great elite quarterback. Granted, he's hardly playing, but I don't know that that's to his credit. The fact that he's getting hurt every year and doesn't even uh, show up for the playoffs. How about the Steelers? How about Dallas? How about Minnesota? Philadelphia, if they lose. How about the Patriots? I mean, it's a little harder with the Patriots, but uh, since Tom left, does anybody want to talk about the Patriots since Tom left and how they're completely irrelevant and how they go to the playoffs and lose every year without Tom now? Anybody want to talk about any of this stuff? No, it's just the Packers. That's just, that's the only joke that we can make is, ha ha ha, Packers, you're going to go to the playoffs and lose like every year. I mean, Vikings fans say that. We've lost one more playoff game than they have. What are you even talking? And that's only because we got to the playoffs one more time than you did. Buffalo has the most playoff losses in that span of four. They're officially 0 for 4 in the last four years. They're the only team to have that record. Anybody want to talk about it? No. Why? Because Josh Allen is the young, hot thing, as is Mahomes and Burrow and et cetera, et cetera. 
By the way, I'm going to be keeping an eye on Burrow. That's 0 for 2 for them. I know they got to the Super Bowl, if, if we want to pretend that that's like an extra special thing, because it's one step further. But believe me, if the Packers got to the Super Bowl and lost, what would we hear? Super Bowl is the only thing that matters. No prize for second place, right? I'm just talking about keeping standards equal. Burrow better step it up. He's young, but this is how it was with uh, Buffalo also. Started off with a loss, then it was a second loss, then there was a third loss, then there was a fourth loss. And after a while, you look at it and go, you might want to figure this out here kind of quick. Especially since this is when things are the easiest for teams like the Bengals. Because you got a guy on a rookie contract. What's going to happen when he's the highest paid quarterback in football? And he will be. Make no mistake. Best of luck fixing that offensive line after you pay that guy. And the way that offensive line is protecting him, he may never see a, a Super Bowl. Because he's going to play five years in the league and be done. So yeah, Chris, man, I'm with you. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I guess we'll just wait for another year. Because so far this year, it's still only the Packers that are funny. That we can joke about. Maybe next year we'll add one more team. But I I do think the 49ers would make a fantastic candidate, even more so than Dallas, who's probably the next team that would probably get uh, laughed at after the Packers. But I kind of think the 49ers maybe are more deserving because it seems like they go to the playoffs every year and just can't seem to get the job done, despite having the best coach in all of football, despite having the top defense in football pretty much every year, despite having guys like Kittle and Debo Samuel, you know, best tight end, elite wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk, who's a very good number two, best pass rusher in football. Like they got the best, 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 best. And you know what? They get to the playoffs every year, but then they just can't quite get it done, can they? And now they're losing in embarrassing fashion. And again, we can blame the quarterback, but the quarterback didn't allow 31 points, did he? Just saying. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig. Hey. Um, Listened to your podcast the other day about um, leadership and Aaron Rodgers and um, totally aligned with uh, what you're saying. I know some other callers have been calling in about it as well. Uh, there, it, I, I actually um, teach leadership stuff in my company, and uh, we do some servant leadership training. One of the videos that I show is from John Harbaugh. It's dated because it actually has it kind of shows Ray Rice walking around and stuff. Nice. But um, but the message is still good. I, I recommend maybe. Um, uh, you might be interested in seeing it. It's, if you just YouTube, John Harbaugh, Servant Leadership, will pop up. It's three okay. minutes long. It's pretty quick. Um, but he talks about the importance of leaders, you know, being out and, and with their folks and asking them, hey, what do you think? And, you know, are, are we at our best? What ideas do you have? Um, and then he talks at the end about, you know, you, you truly have to care about your people. Um, and the best way to demonstrate that is really care about them. Um, and I know he's a coach, and and uh, Rogers isn't a coach, but again, he's clearly a leader. Um, the other thing I talk about with Harbaugh is, you know, he won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, and then they recruited Lamar. And instead of him telling Lamar, "This is the way we do things here. We're going to run the offense the exact same way that yeah. we did with Flacco because we won with that," um, he adjusted his coaching style and his his offense to play to the strengths of Lamar. And what happened? They ended up with uh, the best record, I believe, that year. Um, and uh, I think he got coach of the year and Lamar got player of the year. <clears throat> and uh, so it just goes to show that, you know, if, if Rodgers would understand his players well enough around him to, hey, what works for you? And maybe I need to adjust a little bit. 
Um, that might be more effective, and he doesn't seem to do that. You've talked before about how he'll throw the ball where they should have been instead of where they are, as even if they're wide open. Um, certainly not taking into account uh, the the current situation and seeming to seeming to be pretty stubborn about that. So, um, I don't know if he's going to change. That's why I've been advocating that. I, I I don't think he's great for the locker room, and and that a change would probably be a good thing and a welcome thing. Um, I know that I, 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 I've always taken the time, even if I'm not a direct leader, to get to know the people on my team because I want our team to be high-performing. Uh, just last week, I had people over at the house, and none of them report to me, but they're on the team. And I wanted to get to know them better, and and uh, and, and we had a great, uh, great dinner and really bonded, and I'm sure that will pay off in the end. So hopefully we can get uh, a leader that does that. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, and the the only thing I could think as you were talking is, you know, I feel like if Jordan Love were to take over, there would be a sense of between Love and Watson and all the guys, we need to get on the same page. And I, I do think that the the theme now is from Rogers to everybody is you need to get on the same page. And maybe there is something to that in terms of I'm the guy that's been in here for a long time. I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm I've been doing this a long time, so you need to get caught up to speed. But you're right. These are different players with different things and different whatever. And so is there any flexibility? Is there any sense of maybe I need to adjust what I'm doing? Obviously the coaches are are required. I mean, if if I mean that's if Matt LaFleur is not doing that, if the offensive coordinators are not doing that. That's a serious problem. But if we can say that so easily, then how can we not say that about everybody else? How can we not say that about Rodgers? I guess the question would be, although Rodgers understands the offense and wants these guys to be up to speed to the offense, is there any sense of, hey, rather than just going over and saying, here's what I want you to do, because I know that he does that, and obviously he does that. You know, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Is there any sense of, you know, help me to understand you as a receiver. Is there anything I could do? Now, granted, most of that is going to be met with, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. But but talk to him. Understand his process and his working through things. Maybe there is a way to bridge the gap so that one party doesn't, especially the guy who's never been in the NFL before, doesn't have to come 100% of the way. And this is part of what I talked about too, where the offense is built around Rodgers. So Rodgers is expected to be able to stand exactly as he is and change nothing, and everybody else has to adapt to him. Well, the problem with that also is the most capable person to be able to adapt is the guy that's not adapting. And the least capable people to adapt are the people who don't even know how to be NFL football players, who are expected to not only be NFL football players, but then adapt exactly to how Rodgers wants you to play. And again, this is, this is where it becomes more of a net positive when you have somebody like Jordan Love, doesn't have to be exactly him, but there isn't a sense of, we're going to do everything to the benefit of Love and nothing to the benefit of anybody else. Obviously, that's overstating it a, a, a tad because, you know, you're going to cater certain things to certain players. But there is going to be more of an emphasis on what can we do offensively to highlight Christian? What can we do offensively to highlight Dobbs? What can we do offensively? Whereas before, it's all, how do we get, and it's not even necessarily a thought process because Rodgers is such an elite player. The thought process is what can we do to Im- ensure that we have the MVP quarterback? Because that is the biggest advantage any team could possibly have is to have the MVP of the league. 
but I think it can also end up being a disadvantage because that's the only thing you care about. And that go, that that spreads so far and wide, including how he gets treated, how everybody else gets treated, which, again, really, really was upset to listen to the interviews after the season ended by Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Um, especially LaFleur throwing people under the bus was was kind of shocking in the complete unwillingness to even mention that maybe Rodgers could have possibly, and this is what I'm talking about, with 100% and 0%. Rather than meeting halfway in the interview and saying, you know, Rodgers could have done some things better, the receivers could have done some things better, and there you go. Gutekunst wouldn't talk about Rodgers. LaFleur wouldn't talk about Rodgers. Rodgers wouldn't talk about Rodgers. If you listen to those three guys, Rodgers didn't do one single thing wrong. And I do think that that permeates through other things. The offense is expected to work for Rodgers. The players are expected to meet Rodgers' standards. And I just, I just don't think that's the best way to run a football team, even if it makes sense. Because, yeah, well, he's so good. That's how it should be. Okay, well, then you know what? Maybe he shouldn't be on the team because I just don't think that's a good way to run a team. I don't, I mean, I, I like having superstars. I don't like the idea of a team being built around superstars. That is to say, we're going to win because these three guys are going to be super good. I just don't think you win that way. It's, it, again, it's too much of a team sport. No, if you're going to win... Rodgers, it's because these other guys around you are at their best. You being at your best is great, but if you're the only one, you're not going anywhere. So, I don't know. I, I, I hate to belabor the point. Uh, and again, that that is where I'm torn because I understand it. When you have a superstar, you have to build what you have around it. it, it it's very similar to what I've said in terms of, you know, you look back at the the Lions with Stafford and Megatron. I'm not going to get mad at Matt Stafford for throwing it up to Megatron, but it's understandable that the offense got better when he left. It seems counterintuitive, but it wasn't. Certainly wouldn't have put any money on it, but logically it makes sense. Having a quarterback that doesn't feel so fixated on one person all the time is to his benefit. Now, that didn't happen with Rodgers, but, but the point is you can see how something that is so counterintuitive, actually losing a superstar could be beneficial if you're over-reliant on that person, and if you're willing to then, when that person leaves, depart from that philosophy, and this is where I think the Packers went wrong, depart from the philosophy of superstar football and get into maximizing the pieces that you have. Like, all of them. Not just the, the okay, well, who are the second best guys? Not the superstars, but maybe the, the, the kind of stars. Let's make them the stars. No, no, I'm talking about make this team the best possible team. Forget the superstar thing, dude. If you just pretend everybody is perfectly average and then treat the team that way and then allow the superstars to go above and beyond and just win more often than not, that's not a bad thing. And yeah, if you've got a receiver that's better than the other, maybe you throw to that person once or twice more. But it's when you fixate and obsess on one part of a football team, I don't see how you can succeed, whether that's fixating on Devontae or fixating building the offense around Rodgers. And I just think that there, like you said, with the leadership, it feels like there is just this sort of arrogance. There isn't this, this, you know, we're all in this together. We're all a team. It's not. This isn't a team. Again, this is, you're new here. Nice to meet you. That right there is Aaron Rodgers. He's the guy in charge. You better freaking show up and be ready to go, or he's going to rip you apart. And then I'm going to rip you apart for making him mad because I don't want him mad. And then the receivers are going to rip you apart because, well, they just know better. And they're going to be like, dude, you can't be making him mad. I mean, this is, that's stupid. And it's childish, and I don't want to deal with that. We're not going to win unless we're a team. 
And you will not be able to convince me after those comments that were made that this is a team where everybody is equally involved in this team. It's not what it is. It's like I've said several times now, maybe maybe he has gotten too big. You get to a point where a player becomes just too big to fail for a team. Whether that's Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning or whatever, and if that person isn't necessarily worth that problem, because it is a problem, then it's time to move on. And considering I do see all these things as problems, when you look at the net benefit, what were they? What was the net benefit of Rodgers being a quarterback this year? What was one? Can you tell me one? What was it? How many wins did we have where Rodgers just carried the team and was dominant? A couple? Two? Three? One? I don't know. Is it more or less than the amount of wins that were won on the back of Justin Fields for the Bears? Because they only had three wins total. How many wins on the back of Jared Goff this year? Simply because he balled out more or less than Aaron Rodgers. Just asking. Anyways, I'll leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you